Ladies and gentlemen, we're here. I'm part of the click, isn't everybody? <laughs> yes! 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 I, I got an idea, yeah. Peter John Cena! Give me a hell yeah! I pull a little bit of the bubbly. Too sweet! <laughs> <laughs> episode is scheduled for one fall, and it is for your listening pleasure. This is In The Click. What's up, everybody? Baby Huey here, and sitting right next to me is my brother, Tommy. How's it going, Tommy? Good. How you doing? And joining us once again virtually is our good brother from Pro Wrestling 101 on Instagram. It's Richard. How's it going, Richard? Hello, everyone. <laughs> Wow, you sound a little bit better today, Richard. You got the the microphone working, looks like. That's how I always sound. <laughs> Clear, present. That's good. That's Clear all. and present danger. I was gonna say, what was that movie? Harrison Ford. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know what that is. The last movie I saw was a movie called uh Hooper. Hooper Burt Reynolds. <laughs> what year was that? Uh it's been a while. Do you, you watch you movies? What? Do you watch movies at all? Me? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I just saw Jaws 2. <laughs> mm. For the first time? Yeah. Hooper, 1978. What? Wow, we're going 40 years too late here, man. <laughs> wow, Richard is stuck in the 70s, it sounds like. Yeah, a little over. <laughs> man, wait till you hear 80s music. You're going to love it. I worked at Rockbar. You ever heard of this uh, synth pop group, new wave group named The Human League? Dude, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna love them, Richard. They're fantastic. <laughs> but, but here we are, everyone, back at it for another episode of In the Click. As always, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and all that good stuff. And uh, a lot of stuff to talk about this week, especially what happened tonight. Uh, Hell in a Cell 2020 is in the books now. And we're going to, of course, recap the highlights from this show. Not a lot of matches, per se, to break down. I think that was kind of purpose, and we'll uh, we'll get into that. Um, but like we always do, kind of give our initial thoughts about the show, and then we'll break down the card itself. So, Richard, starting off with you. Just kind of your general takeaways from uh, this pay-per-view. General takeaways is that three Hell in a Cell matches is too much when there was only one really good one. Exactly. That's what I was kind of thinking, too, was it it was like the buildup was for the last few weeks on Raw and SmackDown, respectively, was just focusing on the, the Hell in a Cell matches. And so even up until... I want to say Friday, it was only looked like four matches were officially announced. I mean, even before this Monday show, it was only three. It was the three Hell in the Cells, uh, Roman versus Jay, Sasha versus Bailey, Drew versus Randy. And then uh, this past Monday, we officially got the Jeff Hardy Elias match. And then this past Friday was 
Miz and Otis. And we're like, okay, so we're, it's Sunday morning. It's only five matches. Like, yeah. I, I, I see, I don't think that's a problem, though, because that's, I mean, that was classic attitude era booking. You know, like, yeah. it, didn't, you, you, it didn't matter what the undercard was as long as you knew you had Austin and Undertaker and The Rock somewhere in there. Like, the rest of it was just kind of, Filler. oh, they just had this one thing happen on Raw this week, and now they've got a pay-per-view match. Yeah, so, yeah. With, well, with that, sometimes it you'll get those, uh, it starts here, and it's going to bleed into the next pay-per-view, and it's a little more serious. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying with that. Is well, So my reaction was, okay, if they only have like five matches, now a couple things. One, in this pandemic era, over especially the last few months, their pay-per-views have not gone on longer than three hours. I've been digging digging that especially even like wrestlemania wrestlemania this year of course was two nights but it was three hours each night which was great it was easy to consume and take in you know back when fans were in attendance they were going over four hours and you know every month that's a lot of wrestling to take in so i've been loving the fact that like these pay-per-views have been you know under under three hours three hours max and therefore you know, here we are, you know, here on the West Coast, we're able to still wrap up, uh, you know, at a reasonable time and record. And it's still early on our Sunday night. So my thinking was, OK, five matches only announced going into Sunday. Maybe that's going to mean they're going to give plenty of time for these Hell in Cell matches to take place and give them some breathing room and tell a long story in the ring, which we did get which, plenty which, of. Which, which we got, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> and we'll go into that uh, more. But uh, but yeah, no. So I, I was like, okay, I, I kind of digging, you know, not a lot of matches. And and yeah, Richard, you brought up a good point. Like in the Attitude Era, there were a lot of times things would happen during Sunday Night Heat. And they're like, all right, let's just take it into the uh, match at the start of the pay-per-view next hour. So we got a little bit of that as well during the kickoff show. So let's yeah, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So I think literally it was uh, or actually real quick, Tommy, how about you? Any uh, initial takeaways from the show you thought? Um, it's kind of an unpopular opinion, but I really appreciate how all three cell matches had a different story and kind of their own style. Okay. And I felt it really made the matches feel fresh. Okay, good. Okay, cool. And that's something we'll, we'll dig into with each Hell in Cell match uh, as we break down the card. So literally was, I think, around lunchtime here for us or, or early afternoon, they announced uh, the 24-7 match between R-Truth and Drew Gulak, you know, in a traditional match in the ring. I don't know, Richard, did you catch any of this? I caught literally like the last couple minutes of it. I did. It was super entertaining. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. Look at this. Richard got sound effects now. <laughs> nice. We got Fr- Fred Norris over here. <laughs> so, uh, no. Uh, so, uh, Richard, I literally like caught like the last couple minutes. I know it wasn't a super long match. It was only about five and a half minutes long. But um, R-Truth did get the victory here. So, good for him maintaining uh, his title reign, his current title reign. I mean, honestly, that title is just built for him now at this point. It well, is. But uh, no, but you said it was entertaining. What stood out for you? Uh, you should go back and watch the beginning of that match because uh, he was saying goodbye to little Jimmy at the very beginning. And Drew Gulak did this whole thing where he, he wanted to uh, uh, talk to little Jimmy himself. And our truth looked uh, shocked and appalled, and then he sat little Jimmy down on his knee, and, uh, and then kicked him off his knee and punted him. And our truth 
speared him like Goldberg and what? just wailing on Drew. So it, <laughs> it started out pretty entertaining. Okay, I have to go back and check that out. I I, uh, uh, I was actually I was finishing up uh, NXT during the, the kickoff show, so hence why like what, by the time I got done with it, I turned it on. I was like, oh crap, it's three forty five. I better catch the uh, the tail end of the kickoff show. So good for our truth. He went running out, and uh, I was talking to Jeff Jarrett a little bit. It was cool seeing Jeff Jarrett. They're in attendance. Always cool to see Double J. Actually, on a quick little side note, I don't know if you guys saw, there were some people on Twitter was like, oh my God, Jeff Jerry and Jerry Lawler both on the kickoff show. This is going to be awesome. And someone on Twitter, I saw it was just random. Like, I wish both of them would explain how to throw a good punch in wrestling. Yes. <laughs> I don't know you why. You got to work in Memphis. That, that, and that's what's in Memphis. Kurt, or Kurt Angle worked in Memphis. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say, rock. yeah, so that's what happened was in, in this thread started and was like, they both come from the Memphis territory and those are the, that's like one of the best territories to learn how to throw a punch well, apparently. So the, the, the punch they both throw is the Jackie Fargo punch. Okay. So yes. like they both knew and worked with Jackie Fargo and emulated that punch. Like the rock emulated Scott Hall's punch. Yeah. Yes. I love Scott Hall's punches. I mean, I remember he was on uh, was I think uh, Stone Cold's podcast, and they broke it down how to throw a good punch, and it was fascinating to me. I always love Scott Hall's style. So anyway, when I saw that tweet, I was like, "Oh, this is right up Tommy and Richard's alley." As far as just throwing a good punch, and you know, so that's kind of like a lost art in today's uh, pro wrestling world. So, uh, but anyway, so the kickoff show it wrapped up, and then uh, they announced at the end was. Uh, the Roman Reigns Jay Uso match uh, was going to start the Hell in a Cell pay per view, which I was kind of shocked because I kind of was had a feeling that might main event or be the last one of the night. Um, I, I was kind of taken back that that was going to open up the show, but I kind of maybe figured, you know, listen, there's a lot going on on Sundays now this time of the year between. Uh, uh, you got the World Series going on. You got NFL football happening all day. I think even NASCAR is doing stuff. So I think they probably figured let's get Roman Reigns out there early in the day. And that would hopefully convince people to kind of tune in and get them away from watching all that other stuff before it takes place and kind of hooks them in for the rest of the show. But uh, so there it was Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against his cousin Jay Uso inside Hell in the Cell. And it was also an I quit match. So technically two stipulations. And then uh, Richard, we'll, we'll go jump right into it. We were kind of joking. It kind of led also to a third stipulation in some ways. Um, so, yeah, this match almost went full 30 minutes. Uh, we saw Roman Reigns eventually get the victory here. Uh, but, you know, before we kind of jump into the the, the full uh, match out of it. So just, Richard, your kind of your thoughts on this opening match for the pay-per-view. My critique of it is pretty much the exact same as the main event where okay. it it there's too much storytelling. Like yeah. There's storytelling done well and then there's like we're not we're not going to do anything for large amounts of time to develop this and it's like that's not what's needed. Like you guys have plenty of time cuz you don't need to get it all done on one show. Mhm. So especially with Drew and uh Randy yeah, like they've been doing this, so I don't know why you need those pauses between moves. It should be more action packed. You're, it's a pay per view. It's not raw. Like it, if these both of those matches happened on TV, they would have had a better pace. So I guess my my issue with them both was the pace because it it really took the energy out of me. 
Yeah, it was definitely a, a very slow telling match for for this opener here. As far as like Roman, well, and, and it would have been fine had they picked it up for the the last quarter of the match, but that didn't happen. Exactly, it was slow the whole time. And yeah, you would think most of the time, like a slow start, it's going to end on a very upbeat, fast, uh, you know, action packed finale, which is fine. You know, as far as the build up, like a roller coaster, you know, slow, 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 slow build. And then boom, this big finish. We didn't necessarily get that. And uh, and when, when I met by also like almost a third stipulation was, you know, they uh they brought out a, a strap and that they were using against each other, almost uh, like we've seen in the past in other strap matches. And they were using that to kind of choke each other out a little bit. And, and um, so I, I saw online, a lot of people were saying like, wow, it's a hell in a cell match with I quit stipulation. And also now you got a strap match involved. So it's like three stipulations in one. It's almost like a little bit too much. And I, I think this match easily could have been done just fine outside of just a hell in a cell. It didn't the, the need matches, it. Is, the match is going to look really good when someone on YouTube cuts it up and splices it and shows you it's only a 10-minute match. So. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Like this match, like you said, it was almost 30 minutes. I think you easily, easily could have cut off 10 minutes mm-hmm. and told the same story and it would have came off a lot more better, uh, uh, more effective as far as well, you know, Roman was kind of being slow and like attack. You attack and then back off, and it was almost like you know, pacing, waiting for his next. He was very methodical. Yeah, opportunity here's, to strike. Here's, here's the other thing with that, though. To you, to your point is mm-hmm. is the plan to make him Jay a, a solo act after this? Because if he's just going to go back into a tag team, then what was the point in having him in a match that long? Well, okay, like, and we haven't seen anything that would point that that the Usos are over or he's going to go off and be a solo on his own. So yeah. I'm not quite sure why they needed the match to be that long. So, okay. One thing. So as, as we saw on SmackDown this week, so at, at the end of the show, Roman announced kind of like the stipulation or, or the consequence for the matchup. So he said, you know, listen, if I lose, that's fine. You become universal champion. You become the tribal chief, the head of the table, all that stuff. I can live with that. But in return, if you lose, you need to, you know, pretty much like bow to him and agree to be like his servant and work for him. And if you don't, you're out of the family. You're kicked out. Uh, They didn't really address that too much on this pay-per-view. And I know on Talking Smack, I think Paul Heyman came out and they were trying to clear it up a little bit more. It looks like I don't know if if this is something they're going to address more on next week's episode of SmackDown. I think it was more along the lines of of shaming him opposed to like hey you're not really in this family because there's there's no way to to really do such a thing so <laughs> yeah well i think it's, it's more like you're an embarrassment to the family that you thought that you could take on the tribal chief yeah so what i'm thinking hopefully might happen is maybe on smackdown as a follow-up maybe roman tells jay and jimmy to both come out and pretty much you know bow to me or whatever just more or less you know officially say i'm the tribal chief i'm the head of the family and you guys work for me now. So then it's more or less he be, he grows a, 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 a faction now with his cousins, but they're almost reluctant to be a part of it. And I'm just even. But he, well, the only way that happens is if they respect him. And I don't think that that's quite there yet. I, I, I don't know if it was you or we were in a, a text chain <laughs> during the show. Yeah. You or Kenny 
or Tommy, maybe I don't remember who said it, but a handicap match of sorts. Maybe, maybe oh, yeah, they I, go yeah. that route and uh, they wind up respecting Roman after that and decide that they're going to stick with him. Because right now it's it's still kind of uh, heated between all sides. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's something. Uh, yeah, no, I, I said in the text was, okay, this was the second match. So maybe the blow off is the fact that Jimmy got involved again in this match. And the, the, the finish was we saw Jimmy come out covers brother uh jay is knocked down once again and it was almost a copy and paste of the clash of champions match so roman you know was ready to beat up or like put the take the chair to to jay's head jimmy comes running out protects his brothers don't do that man what's wrong with you and uh they have like that moment where they're crying and roman's crying and says oh no what's wrong with me like you know it's almost like at the end of a of a like an action movie or superhero movie where the bad guy is like, I don't know why I turned bad and you're trying to turn him back. Um, and, and then uh, uh, Jimmy, he's like, we, we can fix this. We can work this out. And, and all of a sudden Roman just turned and, you know, snapped out of it, stopped crying. It was a total act and started putting uh, Jimmy in a, a, a submission hold. And, uh, he's holding him tight and won't let go. And so Ben Jimmy's been shaking Jay to wake him up. And Jay says, I quit. I quit as a way to save his brother. So, you know, once again, Jimmy getting involved and, you know, ultimately uh, kind of causing Jay the match. So what I, that's what I'm thinking is, okay, maybe it's the third match. The the finale is maybe I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be a handicap match. Maybe Roman's like, listen, I can prove I could beat the both of you at the same time. So, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe at the next pay per view or something, it can easily be a handicap. And then, uh, yeah, the, the the if the Usos lose, then they officially become like part of his stable or something. And listen, I know for the longest time, remember years ago when the Usos were heels, a lot of people wanted Roman to work with them and be like a, a badass three man faction. So maybe we finally eventually get that. I mean, it's a long road to get there, but. Uh, it might be a little reluctant on the Usos part to join Roman now because they don't like his behavior. But I think eventually that could be kind of a badass faction, the three of them, like a three-man Samoan badass group. And uh, maybe Roman can convince them down the road. Maybe he helps them win the tag titles down the road. And that's how they kind of officially agree to work with him. I, I don't know. I just, Richard, I'd your thoughts of eventually them becoming a faction together. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's plenty of uh, that family line that's not even in WWE, so they can always add add and subtract or whatever they yeah. want to do with it. So uh, I say go for it because it's it's wrestling history, mm-hmm. and um, I wouldn't be surprised entirely if this is not the only time we see Often Sika either. So yeah, oh yeah, um, maybe maybe for couple months of a week or whatever we'll we'll see them a little bit more maybe they're the ones that show up on smackdown and convince them that they need to respect him see that's the thing and that's the biggest takeaway was so at the very end of the match once roman left the ring walking up the ramp all of a sudden tommy we see uh Afonsika. The the original Wild, Wild Samoans, Samoans. Yeah. Uh, come out and they pretty much lay Roman with uh with one of the lays puts mm-hmm. around his neck and very symbolically, I get representing like they're pat. Would you say, Richard, like passing the torch or officially crowning him as the tribal chief? Both, <laughs> yeah. 
So I thought that was a very powerful moment. I know all of us, we popped, Tommy and I were watching together and we were like, Oh my God, that's awesome. And then the text messages we all had going like everyone, all of us were all super excited. So even though it was a very long dragged out match, <laughs> seeing them at the very end kind of made up for it. Am I right? Yeah. I, I mean, I just remember you texting everyone saying, who are these old guys? So, <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty disrespectful. <laughs> hey, Richard. Tommy, you remember that? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> He's not going to turn. Tommy's my Jimmy. I'm Jay. Tommy's Jimmy. We're not going to turn on each other, Richard. But let me Jimmy speak turns of, on me all the time. But <laughs> if you want to continue seeing like the Wild Samoans, like, you know, being there in the corner for Roman Reigns, do you think they'll be like what Jose Lothario was to Shawn Michaels? No, because yeah. he's already got Heyman. I think they're just kind of going to be around to make sure the family's straight with him. All right. It's almost like they're like the godfathers at this point to kind of exactly. remind everyone, like, hey, this is the, the way things are now, the order, you got to follow it. So no, I, I think having them because they are literally the very top of the, the the family right richard i mean you you sent the that photo the family tree earlier so i mean they're they're like the top of the the food they're, chain. they're 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 the elder statesmen now yeah for sure yeah so to me that's cool yeah. so i i think what they did their actions at the end at this pay-per-view really symbolizes like listen Roman is a man now. He's the tribal chief. We're passing the torch officially in front of everyone's eyes. So that's cool. And, um, you know, that's cool. You know, Roman, you know, hugging his dad out there. That's one of his dad. I mean, that is his dad, I should say, and his mm-hmm. uncle. So mm-hmm. it was just cool seeing that embrace. And um, I know we were all just kind of fancy booking between all of us. I mean, I know the rumor is like they want The Rock to come back for WrestleMania next year, take on Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. I would, that would be kind of cool. Maybe like it, it, it could be a situation where it's like Roman's getting so big, his ego that he's head of the family and the rock can be like, uh-uh, I'm the head of the family. Yeah. I, I feel, I do feel, and I, I think people should take this into account when they hear that. I feel like that is going to happen just mm-hmm. for the sake of where the storyline's been going. And yes. But at the same time, if, if there's anything involving The Rock, do you think any of us actually know about it? Like, like um, he's he's one of those people like The Undertaker that or or Jericho that just show up or yeah, yeah. or they make a big announcement. You know, like, I don't think it's going to get leaked that The Rock and Roman is going to happen. Like, that's that's educated speculation. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot of factors. Obviously, The Rock is so big now. Like, it. it it depends one his schedule and obviously a lot of things are up in the air going into 2021 with this whole pandemic, but also what's his schedule in 2021 as far as filming stuff. And is he going to be available in late March and early April or, or actually WrestleMania is in of March this year. But so yeah, what's his schedule in March to even set up a storyline? I mean, that's a whole other issue. So I'm sure. And there's the insurance stuff like with the, with the stu- movie studios using the rock to wrestle because they don't want to get hurt. So there's a lot of factors involved, but nonetheless, I'm sure in Vince McMahon's mind in a perfect world, he would want Roman versus the rock at WrestleMania. And if that, let's just say if that does happen, how cool would it be to get all the Samoans in that family, that family tree to come out? I don't know if like maybe like a lumberjack match style. They all like stand outside the ring. Are we going to have a hologram of uh, 
Chief Pike, Peter Maivia. I don't know. Something. I mean, like, dude, there's a lot of ways. Like, maybe, maybe the Rome, uh, maybe Roman Here's- gets so big, like his ego, and like the rest of the family has to come out and confront him. They all get a turn to put him in his place. I don't know. There's so many Here, ways. That- here's here's a crazy idea for you. Okay, just kind of popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Let's say let's say in April we're still in this, and, and fans can't can't be there, right? Yeah. Have the match in Hawaii, and have <laughs> yeah. everyone circle the ring with fire, like torches and everything. And yeah. they're all wearing that traditional Samoan garb. And that's the audience for that match. Like okay. do a theatrical match that way. A cinematic, a cinematic match in Hawaii. That'd be yeah. bad. Oh, very similar to uh, Antonio Inoki versus Masa Saito. And what, what was that match? They had it on an island, island. island death match. Yeah. It'd be like that. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities we can go with that. So uh, yeah, I think it'd be cool. And then like the winner becomes the official head of family, like rock versus yeah. Roman, but the rock can be like the savior becoming the confront Romans. Like, dude, you're putting shame to our family. And you know, I'm going to fight for the honor of our family. And the winner becomes head of the family tribal chief, whatever. So that could be a blockbuster, uh, but just reach out there and out there, you know, hypothetically, let's say the rock can't do it. And Roman, you know, goes to the Usos, you know, if this goes for like another month or so, just looking ahead to 2021, who's the next big baby face that can challenge Roman for the universal championship and potentially take it off him. Mm. I mean, I have one idea, but I mean, uh, I mean, I, me personally, I'm thinking big E they're shaping him up to be yeah. the backup plan. Yeah, I was trying to think someone outside of that box, but but uh, Big E actually makes the most sense. I think Big E, he's the one that, I mean, early prediction, I wonder if he'll be the one to win the Royal Rumble this this coming January, I should say. And plus, Big E will match strength for strength against Roman Reigns. Absolutely. So. And, you know, he's so over with the fans. And, you know, I'm maybe, hypothetically, if he is in the main event, you know, you can have a similar situation that they did with Kofi and just a big big powerful happy moment there to wrap up wrestlemania so uh that's something we can always talk about more about down the road but yeah like this match if they had the kind of the same spots but sped up in between and cut it down to like 20 minutes it would have been much more effective um but even the way i don't know which the way he even said i quit i just felt felt it was kind of I don't know. Like he was like, I quit, I quit, I quit, but it wasn't like loud enough. I don't know if it wasn't mic properly. I guess I'm thinking of like, you know, back in the day, John Cena, who's like the king of I quit matches. He remember he had like, what was it? Batista, uh, JBL, JBL, mm. all screaming. I quit. I quit. I don't know. I just, I felt like it wasn't mic'd up as well. Same as goes that. for Tully Blanchard when he t- uh, said, I quit to Magnum TA. Yeah. So I don't know. I, that was just a little, I'm just nitpicking. I mean, I yeah. know it's, it's, it's the Thunderdome, but, um, but that's my big thing was like, I think this match could have easily just been as effective without the hell in the cell. Cause they how use the hell in cell setting to their advantage. I really right. thought, I mean, they're using the strap in, in the ring and not usually using much of the hell in the cell cage itself. Uh, I thought it was kind of cool. Roman with he- like his golden glove on. It kind of looked like uh, Thanos Infinity Gauntlet. So I don't know if that's what he was trying to symbolize there. But nonetheless, I obviously will tune in to SmackDown so we can kind of see the fallout from that pay-per-view. And uh, what's next for the Usos? Do they fall in line or do they try to challenge him one more time for a match of some sort? So uh, that's going to be yet to be determined. But uh, let's see. Next up, it was a match that was kind of announced last minute this past Monday. Elias taking on Jeff Hardy. Elias, you know, coming up actually real quick, uh, Richard. So what do you think of Elias's concert performance on Raw this week? 
I was amused by it. I thought Rob was highly entertaining this week. Really? You thought so? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought I, I kind of enjoyed Elias's performance as well. Tommy, I don't know what you thought of his, his rock performance. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, it, it, to me, it, it very much looked, it was all like uh, lip syncing. Um, oh, yeah. But that, I mean, that, it, it it had that uh, Jeff Jarrett with my baby tonight vibe. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, I mean, the band and everything looks super legit. So it was, <laughs> he, he just looks so out of place because he's so big. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you see but, these, these real musicians and these, you know, they're all kind of average size. And then you have this big bulked up guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> doing his his shtick so i actually i mean i kind of enjoyed it i mean yeah, it was a good old rocking song and you're, gonna, album, you're gonna buy that cd right I'll, I'll check it out on spotify i'll stream it. i'll give them some streams that way you're, you're gonna buy it though right uh is it if it's on itunes i might I check mean, it I, out I, I i told him i could get him on the podcast <laughs> i would love to talk really to you got connections yeah, yeah i got connections dude i wonder if we could book elias through the record label, <laughs> like, like you know. Oh my god! Actually, I want. I probably WWE is going to put it out. The music. I will, well, it comes out tomorrow on Monday, so uh, I'm sure he'll be, he'll be on Monday Night Raw promoting it again, reminding everyone. But I, I enjoyed the performance because it was really emphasizing the e, the entertainment of WWE. Kind of, I don't know. Kind of had like a the '80s vibe, you know, the rock and roll, the rock yeah. and wrestling connection. <laughs> yeah, that's what kind of I took it as, you know, that performance. But uh, so uh, Jeff Hardy attacked him with the guitar. Uh, he was like shredding on the guitar and raw, and then which led to this match. So uh, the match itself was okay to me. Uh, a little bit of a downer as far as the finish goes. Like Jeff just grabbed his acoustic guitar and hit Elias with it. So Elias won by DQ. So obviously this match is. <laughs> far from over this rivalry so i'm sure it's going to continue on raw and it's going to be dragged out for the next couple weeks and mm-hmm. i don't know like richard what about you do you like elias his whole thing is he's mad at jeff hardy thinking he ran him over but i think we all know it was seamus who set him up so why is Elias? Yeah, you, have like, you seen the raw have you seen the raw footage I mean, that that's a good point i mean i, I know people <laughs> were complaining or saying well technically we never saw like actual evidence it was just Seamus or we saw people it was eyewitnesses saying we saw someone with the red hair that's yeah. all they said so we never saw officially any like footage or anything like that so that'd be interesting see how that plays I bet out em- I bet it was Ember Moon <laughs> she had the red hair coming out like, over yeah uh, that'd, be, that'd be funny and she took off on her motorcycle to go to NXT right after <laughs> <laughs> but uh but nonetheless like i said uh i mean the uh, reports are saying that elias now that he's back he's gonna get a big push as a heel so that's why i had a feeling that he was gonna win here just to kind of really solidify that he's the new heel for uh, monday night raw um next up was the big money in the bank match for the briefcase between otis taking on the miz the winner gets the the money in the bank briefcase and so before we get into that so on smackdown we saw our own version of Law and Otis, aka Wrestlers Court, on SmackDown. Uh, long story short, we saw Otis taking on the Miz. It was, it was brilliant. It, it was, was absolutely so good. brilliant. JBL was the judge. Ron Simmons was uh, uh, the, the, ba- the bailiff. Bailiff, right. and we saw um, um, uh, uh, Teddy Teddy Long mm-hmm. as uh, the, the typer guy, the typewriter person. Um, and so we had all these witnesses, Ray, Oscar, Morrison, Tucky, 
all defending, <laughs> giving the eyewitness accounts. We saw, uh, you know, it, it was pretty much just, you know, a basic court case of why, uh, you know, Miz should get the briefcase and Otis is a bad representation to hold it. It was very funny. And so I thought it was just, it was kind of, it was, I don't know about you, Richard, but like watching that remind me of like a, those funny skits we used to see in WWE in like in late eighties and early nineties, you know, like those fun backstage type segments, the entertainment part of it all. Yeah. It, it was, it had Bruce Pritchard's fingerprints written all over it. It was tr- absolutely tremendous. He definitely came from that era. So he produced uh, all of those segments back in the day that we, we used to love. So, yeah. And so that was awesome. Um, uh, Ultimately, we saw the Miz bribe JBL with a briefcase full of money, <laughs> and which led to this match. So uh, JBL says, "You got Otis, you got to defend, or you got to take on the Miz, and the winner gets the briefcase." So jump into the match itself. Um, you know, decent match. You know, very similar to what we've been seeing between the two of them on SmackDown before the draft. Um, but yeah, this, this this whole thing was one of the better done things on the show. I thought. As far as what the buildup or what happened after or at the end of the match or I thought the body of the match was good. The yeah. end of the match was great because yeah. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And then the brawl after that was was great, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, unfortunately, uh, Miz defeated Otis when uh, Otis was going through the ropes and Tucky um, had the briefcase in his I'm hand. calling him Tucky. Tucky. <laughs> Tucker. Tucker. Well, You're terrible. Why Tucky is his name? His nickname. Oh my God. Tucker. Uh, he had the briefcase and he hit Otis with it. A total shocker. He turned on his best friend and then Otis fell back and the, the Miz was able to roll him up and get the victory. And he's now the new owner and he's now Mr. Money in the Bank. So, lot to unpack here so they go in the back they're doing the interview um so a couple things richard so yeah just thoughts on the miz as the new money the bank money the bank winner or holder of the briefcase and thoughts on tucker's promo uh, explaining his actions and where's this going to leave for him so uh start with the miz uh i think the the it, it works itself out pretty good because if you look at who is in the championship contender spots right now, yeah, uh, there's not a chance that a guy his size is going to sneak up on anyone unless they're like completely laid out, you know. Who Otis? Uh, no, no, I mean the champion. Like, so if Otis comes out, mm-hmm. they're going to know it. Like one yeah, way yeah, or another, yeah. they're going to they're going to. He's not going to be able to run to the ring and get in there before they they notice. Mm-hmm. However, the Miz is someone that can sneak in at any moment, and you'll you'll never know it. Mm-hmm. Which is the point in the Money in the Bank is that you can cash it in whenever you want, unless you challenge someone. Yeah, and I don't see Otis challenging Roman Reigns. I don't see Otis challenging uh, Randy Orton or, or Drew McIntyre. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're not going to be sneaky about it, then don't have it on him. Yeah, so that goes back to just I think the whole situation here of just having Otis as the champion in the first place. So, I, you know, once when he won it back in what was it May, I think a lot of people were questioning. Okay, obviously Vince likes Otis and thinks he's a funny character and rewarded him with his Money to Bank briefcase, but unfortunately, he's just it doesn't seem like a, a reliable threat to take out whoever the champion is. Going back, you know, when he won it, Braun was the champion. Now, Roman's universal champion. Drew has been champion up until this point. So, 
Otis does not seem like a legit threat to cash in and defeat one of them. So a lot of people were scratching their heads. It's like, why give it to him in the first place? And there was a lot of speculations last few weeks of how are they going to try to get it off him? And how can you do it in a way that makes him still look strong, but not doesn't look like a complete douche for uh, losing it. Um, So this was, I think a pretty good way of getting it off him as far as it's, it's sad. Obviously his best friend turned on him. Um, And it's going to be interesting moving forward, how they're going to take on each other. Cause Tucker is now on raw and Oz is still on SmackDown. Um, And now Tucker on raw, I wonder, will he align himself with Miz and Morrison? We're also on raw. So maybe Miz has a new little faction going. Miz does like having people around him going back to, um, uh, Bo Dallas and uh, uh, oh, uh, Curtis Axel, yeah, Curtis Axel, and even before that, Damian Sandow, yeah. So, Miztourage, yeah. So, I wonder if it's a new updated version of the Miztourage. I don't know, I'm just you know looking ahead, trying to guess what's going to happen, but uh, it, it, it's just still a little interesting, though. Tucker, I mean, so for Miz, he's definitely more, I think, a legit threat, as you said. I mean, the money bank briefcase is always better on a heel because. They can be like uh, the chicken S type of heel where they can run in as Richard, you said, sneak in and try to get a quick victory over someone, take the title off them. Mm -hmm. So that's always makes for interesting story. And Miz, you know, Miz, God, the last time he won, it was 10 years ago. So it's amazing that 10 years later, he still does, does great work in the ring and out of the ring and his promo work that he still makes for a great candidate for the briefcase. Um, but what I'm getting at is for him, he is, I think, a little more believable. Nowadays on Raw, he could probably, well, he did say in this promo, both championships on both brands would look out for. So I wonder if he still has eyes, maybe go back on SmackDown, try to cash it in, or I think his better chances are staying on Raw. And keep in mind, when he cashed in 10 years ago, it was against Randy Orton. So that could be very interesting if he tries to cash in on Randy Orton again this time around. So, um, Richard, just looking ahead short term. So obviously it looks like Otis and Tucker are going to have a little program set up now. Um, you know, even when that wraps up, I mean, where do they go after this though? That's why I'm kind of a little bit bummed that they broke them up because after this rivalry, unless Tucker aligns himself with the Miz and maybe the Miz can help elevate him to a larger status. Uh, and then even Otis now he's really by himself on SmackDown. I, I'm just concerned that both of them, after this program ends for them, they're going to be kind of left stranded in the mid card scene somewhere. It, it could also just mean a complete reboot, you know, that they're yeah. erasing this friendship of, of Otis and Tucker. And maybe the only time we see Otis and Tucker uh, come to, to blows in the near future is the Royal rumble. But yeah. uh, uh, it might just be, this is us washing our hands of that. And we're moving forward much like when, Recently, when we had Bronson Reed on a losing streak every week, and then all of a sudden uh, he's winning matches and he's featured on NXT. So this this could just be the restart button on both of them. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think it's going to be... And and quite frankly, with with, uh, a tuck E, um, I feel like this is needed for him because he, he lacks the same personality that Otis does, and it's hard to even come close to that because he's so boisterous so Mm -hmm. uh having him go a completely different route and not have you be reminded of heavy machinery i think is really smart yeah this could 
be a really great thing for him as far as giving him a, a little bit of a solo push as a heel a bit and he's a big dude so he could be a big bad heel and really maybe tear up on the mid card scene and see what it folds and be interesting if he does continue to align himself with the with Miz and Morrison or he just goes off on his own path it, it, it's it's gonna be interesting and all that but nonetheless I think this is probably the best or one of the easiest ways to get the briefcase briefcase off Otis let Otis do his own thing now in SmackDown keep building him up as a separate separate entity and then Miz and Morrison <laughs> Um, they can have more fun with the briefcase and he's definitely a more legit threat to whoever the champion is. And, um, you know, they can, uh, have more, there, I think there could be some fun opportunities there with him and Randy Orton down the road and pair could, Otis up with Chad Gable with who Chad Gable, who Otis. Yeah. Otis. <laughs> Why? Well, I don't, I don't think they want to pair him up with anyone. I think that's, yeah, that's kind of point. the point I, right I, now is to, to split them up. Yeah, they want to give him a, a singles push. Right, so, yeah. so yeah, that, that's all another thing. Chad Gable, we'll talk about that another time. Uh, so next up was uh, Sasha Banks. <laughs> What's that? You mean Shorty G? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> well, uh, we'll we'll save that for maybe next episode. That that's an interesting uh, development there. <laughs> but uh, uh, next up was uh, the women's match of the night. Uh, Bailey defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Sasha Banks inside Hell in a Cell. Uh, Richard, I mean, you call it match of the night. Am I right? Match of the night, match of the week, match of the month. <laughs> uh, once again, <laughs> yeah, the WWE's women's division is the best wrestling you will find anywhere for the last four, five, six years. So, yeah. So here we are, uh, uh, you know, Sasha Banks, Bailey come out. This is the match we've been waiting for on SmackDown this week. Uh, Bailey finally signed the contract after Sasha Banks put her in the bank statement inside the chair and had her reluctantly sign the contract. That was an awesome move. And uh, this match here, Bailey comes out all dressed in black, Sasha all dressed in white. And then uh, uh, Bailey comes out with also her chair that she used to beat up ba- uh, Sasha recently. <laughs> and um my one little thing it was interesting so she comes out but uh sasha kicks the chair it goes out of the hell in the cell cage and she's like oh my god no i need the chair but there are other chairs in the ring still so it's like like i don't know if she's just so attached to that one chair it's like a security blanket but it's like uh there's probably other chairs inside under the ring you can use but she uh, wanted that chair danny I know that one. She took the time to spray paint and spray paint one and oh, yeah, it's her good luck charm. Yeah. Good luck charm. Absolutely. So, um, but man, like so much to talk about as far as just all the number of great spots in this match. The, so what Roman and Jay did not use the cage, these two ladies just used every aspect of it. I this, think, this was storytelling at its best. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, spot after spot, it was creative ways of using the tables, the the the, the table, uh, the ladder. I'm sorry, ladder, uh, chairs, uh, the kendo sticks. Um, I mean, God, they said kendo sticks. You know, it was just creative how they put it. You know, inside uh, um, the chain link fence, and also into the steps. And you know, Sasha fell through it, tripped, and got fell through it. It was just, God, it was just so creative. These little little detail spots that it was just such an awesome match i mean kudos to both of them as far as you know not taking a lot of downtime they were going from spot after spot and just you know really sacrifice their bodies for our entertainment and man um 
I mean, Rich, I don't know, you know, it's this might be a little bit biased because it's fresh in our heads, but how is this compared to maybe their takeover match from years ago? Uh, I think this was more violent. Yeah. And I think that what they did at the end of this match was a mirror image of what they did at the end of that one as well with mm-hmm. uh is that during the takeover match, uh, Sasha was repeatedly stepping on Bailey's hand because she had injured her hand before. Mm-hmm. So they're telling that story that Bailey was injured. It was Sasha's fault. And this one, she's got the chair around her neck and then just stomping it repeatedly. I thought that this, this is an example of what every match should strive to be, whether it's a five minute match or a 30 minute match is, uh, there there's cooperation in wrestling you know someone's going to hit a move whatever but like often this is this is every company you you watch now is that Mm -hmm. you'll see them do that like stop wait catch the person thing and you're waiting forever and with this one it was just we're going to go for it and apologize later which is the way it should be Mm mm-hmm Mm. So I, I really dug the pace, the, in the violence of this, because like, there's no blood in this and it's still violent as all hell. Mm -hmm. And they didn't waste any time. They maximized their minutes and they got a lot of time in this. So excellent, excellent match. Yeah. It was almost 27 minutes long, but I mean, God, like Bailey took those bumps into the side of the cage. She was taking those and Sasha did kept getting power bombed into the cage and, yeah. and chairs and that um oh what well, it was a catapult into the two kendo sticks that was yeah. like, oh that looked mean yeah and just even uh but just at the very end as far as sasha banks using the chair uh the bank statement with the chair and the bailey i mean th- th- there was a couple false uh uh finishes as far as uh, so they had the ladder in the ring across the two chairs and it looked like Sasha was going to try to lay Bailey out, but they missed. And then uh, Sasha did the Bailey, uh, Bailey, the ba- Bailey move and she, but Bailey can't, uh, kicked out. And then, um, so they're like, it, it was almost like a last resort. Like they given each other all they, they can give They're each other's finishers and whatnot. And so finally Sasha Banks with the bank statement using the chair and just Bailey just finally gave up. And I was just like, wow. I mean, that was awesome storytelling using like 27 minutes went by really fast in that situation. Cause it was spot after spot, but also to, I mean, listen, there was a lot of people online kind of complaining that this should have been invented. And I could see why these girls, <laughs> You, you can say that all day. Yeah. I, I, I always see that, you know, yeah. with, with any show that we, we watch with, mm-hmm. with other people, not saying us. Yeah, yeah. However, you see that all the time, but you don't know what the match is going to be till it happens. Yeah, like, exactly. This stuff is scripted, but at the same time, they're not scripting it move for move. Mm-hmm. Like this, they go over some spots. All the, the, the production people know is if they're going to do something dangerous to get it approved, and yeah. then they give them a, a, a time. Mm-hmm. So they just use their minutes better than Roman and Jay, and they use their minutes better than Drew and Randy. That's all. Exactly. And and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you can't predict how these matches are going to turn out to a certain it's, extent. It's live pay-per-view. Exactly. And the other thing, too, like, listen, like, I was very happy to see the WWE Championship main event the show. Because for how many years... 
back in what, 2016, 2017, there were so many pay-per-views in a row where WWE champion, like for example, when AJ Styles had it, it was always like halfway during the show or like third to last match of the night. It was always universal title ending the show. Some, was- sometimes they do that though, however, because they, they know that the match is going to go longer and they don't want the show to go off the air. Like, um, what was that? Uh, all, all in or all out, whatever the, the one with the, all in. the young bucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the end of that, where they just got screwed on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's why you you hardly ever see Cody in a main event because and he's in the <laughs> mid show. He needs his time to shine. Yes, he does. <laughs> so, so and and you haven't seen the Young Bucks in a main event since then, have you? No, I so, mean it'd be interesting if they ain't main event the next show or not. But that's a, a whole other story. But yeah, but no, no, I get what you're saying. So. For me, though, like I said, it was just very nice. Well, well, and, and look, look at it this way, though, too. I'm totally with you, and I understand what you're saying. But when we didn't have that before, we had Brock Lesnar as champion forever, and Brock universal. could go on yeah. last because he could just squash them, or you know, it wasn't going to be more than 15 minutes. Exactly, and it so. shouldn't have been. It, like it does its job. Exactly. So, and that's the thing was for like like i said for me i was excited just to see the wwe championship main event this show last um and then for sasha and bailey i I think for them if anything you know their placement was fine because it's like yeah go ahead and try to follow us after that i mean if anything they they set the bar and for everyone else that followed afterwards it was a matter of can they pull it off or not as the same type of match so uh There, there were they did things in this match that because I, I was pretty confident that last year's women's Hell in a Cell was the, the better of the two. And yeah. this one I can say with ease that this was the best of the three now. Okay, so the first um, one was, was Charlotte and Sasha, then Becky and Sasha, and now Bailey and Sasha. So Sasha, yeah, she's taken on the other members of the four horsewomen. Um, and I think every time there's been a women's match, in Hell in a Cell, there's been a title change. So, little fact there, I, I, I heard or I saw online or something like that. So, well, um, Becky retained last year. Did she retain? Okay, I'm trying to remember. Someone lied to you. Don't listen to them. And I, in fact, it's probably Meltzer. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, what can I say? If, He's if a Vince guy. In the Tokyo Dome, she uh, uh, Sasha would have won last year. I mean, she's a Vince guy. You know what can I say? Happy uh, birthday, Dave <laughs> Meltzer! Right, it was his birthday yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway. just another year closer to his death. You <laughs> <laughs> sound like Brian Alvarez now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, yeah. uh, uh, so next up, uh, a match that was announced very last minute. It was Bobby Lashley from the Hurt Business defending his United States Championship against a member of Retribution. So uh, if I remember correctly, this wait was this at the kickoff show or at the beginning of the pay-per-view itself? I can't remember now, but uh, but Richard, kind of like what you said, this was something that kind of took place, you know, right before the. Sh- if I remember, if it was kickoff or early in the show, but and it led to a match later in the night. So kind of, yeah, it's a good point. Like attitude era, as far as like you know, something on Sunday night heat or something that some little dramatic event happened at the beginning of the pay per view, and then a couple hours later, it played out into a match. So uh, we saw Mustafa Ali in Retribution cut a promo. And he pretty much challenged the Hurt Business. Like, you pick someone, and then you pick someone from our group for a match later on in the night. So, um, 
Retribution, uh, or so MVP said uh, he'll pick Bobby Lashley to defend the title, and then they pick Slapjack. <laughs> they made fun. Slap nuts. Slap nuts. She's <laughs> very fitting with Jeff Jarrett in attendance. But uh, I like it was a Shelton Benjamin says, yeah, pick Slapjack. He has that stupid mask or terrible mask, so pick him. <laughs> um, uh, before we get into the match real quick, so the big thing on Raw this week was Mustafa Ali finally uh, cause the week before on the draft, he didn't have a chance to, his segment, I guess, got cut, but he was supposed to explain his actions and why he had or created retribution. Uh, I just want to real quick, get your thoughts on his promo this past week on raw, where he kind of explained just retribution and uh, also, uh, 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 admitted that he was the hacker on SmackDown earlier this year. So just a real quick, your thoughts on that. I thought it was a good promo. I still am not convinced a hundred percent that he's the leader. Really? That's an interesting yeah. thought. I, you're like the one person that I know that, that thinks that there's still like a higher power involved. I, I think it, it could be Bray now. Bray Wyatt? You th- yeah. Interesting. Well, that's the thing. So real quick, I was going to say, it's been a tough week for Retribution. So on Raw, uh, well, Retribution- well, and, and what happened on Raw with Bray and Retribution, Retribution was not winning that match when Bray came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have been his way of kind of uh, taking matters into his own hands and handling his his people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I was going to say it was interesting with The Fiend, you know, attacking Retribution or no, uh, they were going to attack The Fiend and he disappeared and then they get beat up by her business. So uh, here, here, here's a, a layer. For, here's a layer for you, though. OK, because. Uh, Bray Wyatt on paper, you would say, well, what, what does he need retribution for? Right. Mm-hmm. He was Husky Harris. Mm-hmm. They made him Husky Harris. Mm-hmm. And which was a terrible gimmick and a terrible name. Mm-hmm. And he could, his friends have been let go since or yeah. turned on him. Yeah. And Bray Wyatt's also one of those characters that does better when he's surrounded by people. And when he hasn't had people, he's had puppets. And he got that over. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if if he comes out as the leader of retribution at some point with Alexa Bliss there, like it all kind of makes sense, especially why these guys are now wearing masks. Hmm. Like we, we all know who they are. Yeah. He's just been yeah. he just gave them different names and and molded them into his own creation. That could be an interesting take if that happens. And it, it it's it, you know, for WWE, I know they're trying to connect the dots on a lot of different storylines with retribution. So that could be an interesting uh, storyline that they can, if they want to pull it off. But uh, my, uh, my only fear with it, like is that WWE hasn't done factions with more than four people in so long. Yeah. That it's, it's not going to be that. So, but it yeah. could be, it could just be someone that's in creative saying, Hey, it doesn't matter. Let's just do it anyway. I'm just concerned for retribution. Like, okay, so Mustafa Ali cuts a great promo, kind of explaining himself, even though it was kind of just thrown out there. Oh, yeah, by the way, I was the hacker. He just threw it out there. I kind of hope there was like a bigger reveal for that at some capacity. Um, but nonetheless, we see them lose to Hurt Business and get beat up by The Fiend this week. And then on Hell in the Cell, the actual pay-per-view, Slapjack loses to Bobby Lashley in a pretty quick match, less than four minutes. So I'm just saying, I'm worried that Retribution, even though Mustafa Ali's cutting these great promos, explaining himself and his actions, that the the, the faction is still, itself is not going to get over or going to become a, a threat. 
yeah. at least just as- which, which again is why I don't believe Mustafa Ali is the leader. Yeah, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be doing this to them if he was. Yeah, so that's something. I mean, hopefully we'll find out more on Raw. Maybe there's a follow up to this, but uh, anyway, I, I just like I said, just a bad week for retribution between all this. So not a lot to talk about. Slapjack. The man, I mean, we all know it's Shane Thorne. The match, uh, we were texting back and forth. Tommy and I, we were talking about too. A little sloppy, this yeah. match. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Shane Thorne's a good wrestler, but I, I wonder if it was a little botchy just because of the mask. Is it hard for him to see in there? Possibly. Well, he, it's probably the mask and the, and the shorts. Like, he's not wrestling in the gear he's used to. Exactly. So, so. Bobby Lashley won, retains the title. Good for them. And I'm sure this is going to play out on Raw again. So, we'll wait in that for see for that. Uh, so, last up was the main event. Uh, Drew McIntyre defending the WWE Championship against Randy Orton. Third match of the night inside Hell in the Cell. Um, Richard, you kind of touched on this already. But just, you know, if you want to expand a little bit more on your thoughts on this match and how it played out. It it just you know it was boring. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like it was uh, this is the worst of the three matches that they've had in the last couple months. Yeah, um, it was really slow. Yeah, I don't care for these these any kind of stipulated match unless there's some sort of blood. And if we're not going to see blood, then don't do the match. Like a, a cage match should be violent. Mm, and yeah. Like we didn't get blood with Becky and Sasha, but we got a violent match. This yeah. was not violence. That's the this thing. Was, and this was a lot of slow plotting, mm-hmm. nothingness. Yeah. Like, like the guy's laying down. Why aren't you kicking him or, or trying to pin him? Like, you're just standing there wondering what to do next. That's what it looked like. And well, and that's obviously like the MO, I think, of Randy Orton's style as of late in the last couple of years. Like, he tries to be this slow, uh, methodic character where he's like he'll 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 lay a, a move on you and then he'll slowly crawl up and get another which, move on you so yeah it, it's fine slow. but it's not the right place for a hell in a cell yeah like, exactly. like there there's he's had better hell in a cell matches exactly like but, uh, but there's there's a time and a place to be slow and plotting because randy orton's proved that this year he's had he's had two stinker matches that wrestlemania match was not that great and yeah, with with edge yeah yeah and but everything else he's done has been pretty much gold. Like that last pay per view was was kind of haha, but it was it had its place. Um, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say because like even WWE tweeted out like their top five Hell in a Cell matches. So number five was Usos versus the New Day. Number four uh, yeah. was I, uh, I just don't think this would have it didn't deserve a Hell in a Cell match if that's what they did with it. Like. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, like Triple H, Cactus Jack. I mean, that was a great Hell in a Cell from 20 years ago. You know, the blood, uh, obviously. Shawn even, Mike. even the Undertaker and Big Boss Man from WrestleMania 15 was more entertaining than this one. <laughs> this, this one had too much time. They well, climbed up on top for no reason. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's needed when there's no crowd. Yeah, that's the thing was. It is And it's the same spot falling through the table that they've been doing for the last five or six years. Yeah, I mean, what, Shane, Kevin Owens did that a few years ago. I mean, yeah, it's predictable. Dean it's Ambrose like, and Seth Rollins. Yeah, so they start on one side. They cut, you know, he bolt cuts, uh, Randy Orton bolt cuts the door, goes climbing up. I mean, it's like, part of me is like, why do you go up there? Like, what's the strategy? <laughs> is yeah. it is ultimately to convince the other person, your opponent, to follow you, and the goal is to eventually push them off on the other side. That's all it is. It's like they call. Yeah, and the and the two times the first two Hell in a Cells, Shawn Michaels does it because he's trying to get away. 
and doesn't think yeah. that the Undertaker is going to follow him or, or know where he went. Yeah. And then when Mick Foley does it, he starts the match that way because he's a fucking crazy Mick Foley. <laughs> and not only does he make his way into the cage, but he goes through the cage. Yeah. So, yeah. Ah, it's, I know. It's just like if, if there's I would I would prefer them to put up a parental advisory and remind parents like, hey, this match is going to be pretty violent. You might not want to let your kids watch it. Like, I, and I think people would respect that. Well, the thing also is like, yeah, it's predictable. Like, like OK, you can have this this same match, the exact same match we watched. Mm-hmm. And if you added the blood it would be more exciting. Like all that slow plotting is just letting the blood leak. So, yeah. Well, it, like I said, it's so predictable. It's like, okay, one's escaping, going to climb up. The other one's going to follow them. They're going to battle out on top and then they're going to crawl down the other side. And one's going to fall through the table. It's the same predictable spot. And so it's frustrating. I think also keep in mind, like if this plays a factor at all, you know, listen, Randy and drew are both very tall, big guys. So they're not going to, they're not known for their high flying spots per se inside. I don't think they can do much in hell and cell. Tommy, like you and I, we saw the one where uh, drew flipped, I think Randy into the table. And I was like, Oh, that's great. Like, boom, big power spot. It's going to get some momentum going now. No. And then it slowly ties down again. So I'm like, uh, it's like the stop and go, stop and go. Mm -hmm. And, so that's what gets kind of frustrating for me is if you're watching this match and yeah, you're waiting for it to get to the next gear and pick things up. Um, but same thing, this was over 30 minutes and this, like if they cut out 10 minutes and went from more from spot to spot, the power moves one after the other, a little more quicker. Yeah. It would have been a much more effective match. Like, like Richard, you're probably a good point. I'm sure maybe someone online can cut it up and cut out some of the dead air in between the spots and speed it up a little bit. And it'll look amazing. Like an amazing matchup here. Um, or someone, not, someone, if you've got the technology, superimposed blood, so. yeah, it just rain blood all over them, hmm. but no, but nonetheless, uh, um, so they get back into the ring, uh, Drew McIntyre, you know, Randy's been working on his leg, the leg day does the claymore on, um so drew goes for the claymore randy ducks and as drew gets up um randy lays rko on him and pins him gets the win and very similar because so at SummerSlam, if i remember correctly uh uh drew went for the claymore randy duck but then that's when drew countered with the roll up so this time around randy was able to get the upper hand and lay out the rko so Randy Orton is your new WWE champion. Finally, this yeah. was, I mean, part of me is like, I'm excited and I'm happy for him because he's, this has been one of his best years in a long time as far as one of the better heels. Um, But I don't know. I kind of feel like it should have maybe happened at SummerSlam instead of now. Cause I feel like it took a well, long time to get to this point. I, I, I tend to disagree with you because I think him beating, Drew beating Randy the last two months prior to this really makes Drew McIntyre a made guy. Yeah. Where, where like, had you taken it off at SummerSlam, it's, it's not much different than the Kofi Brock thing. So, okay. I mean, it's different in terms of time given. I I get that, but like Drew McIntyre is a made champion now. See, that's the thing. That's why I kind of was hoping Drew was going to win here to really solidify his place as one of the elite champions. I think he is. I think because we've talked about that the last two months that he, he's, he's I love it. Yeah. himself because he beat him. Randy's beaten him once. He's beaten Randy twice is the way I see it. So yeah. 
So um, it, it's it's interesting though because Randy now is champion. Like, what's going to be next? Um, I wonder. Will the Miz? I wonder if they put the title on Randy and the Miz with the Money in the Bank briefcase for something for that could be a new story to build into maybe for the rest of the year. Well, I think uh, Edge is coming back sooner than later. And so maybe that's the thing. I think we talked about this before. Maybe Randy um, and Edge can wrestle at WrestleMania for the championship. And then Edge wins it there and becomes WWE champion for the first time in how many, it was what, 10 years. So uh, maybe that's the story long-term that they're looking for. I just, I feel bad for kind of Drew. Cause I was like, okay, where's Drew go now? Um, mm-hmm. Like what's next for him? What's, what, what, where can he go from here? Cause I, I definitely think he belongs in the championship title scene, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Drew gets a rematch with Randy and Randy's about to win it and edge costs Randy the match and Drew gets it back. Or maybe they try to redo the heist with like Seth Rollins. Like maybe Randy and Drew go at it and then Miz comes running in and sneaks out the victory there. Uh, and, and there's no saying that that Miz keeps the briefcase. So <laughs> they could play hot potato. It, it, exactly. And Morrison gets it or something. So <laughs> it's like you get a briefcase, you get a briefcase. So it's mm-hmm, gonna bounce mm-hmm. around. So it's gonna be interesting going forward. So if anything with this pay-per-view, regardless of one out of three Helm Cell matches was really good. It still gives us plenty of reason to tune in this week to Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, and if if any of you are listening that didn't watch or haven't watched yet, watch Bailey and Sasha and go out of your way for it because the rest of the show was worth it for that. Exactly. So it was a lot of fun. So, I mean, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, it was still, you know, it's a tell and sell. I I, I still on the fence about Hell and Cell itself being its own pay-per-view and trying to just let the women do Hell in a Cell matches. I know they're the only two. Yeah. Do a badass job in there. Um, I I still kind of wish Hell in a Cell was just still a stipulation and therefore can be used at any pay-per-view throughout the year when it calls for a rivalry to, to wrap things up. So um, like it made sense for Randy and Drew because it was the third match. It was the, the, uh, 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 the third match, uh, the grudge match. Yeah. The grudge match between the three of them to, to wrap up their rivalry. Um, so I don't know. It, it's like that an elimination chamber. I, I still on the fence about those paper being dedicated pay-per-views named after the stipulation. I think they're better off when they're used when the time is needed for them. So I, I a hundred percent agree. I, I think TLC is the only one that really fits that. Yeah, because they literally can build up a bunch of matches. One could be tables, one could be ladders, one could be chairs, yeah. one could be all three. And that's the spectacle throughout the whole pay-per-view for that. It's that's a little bit different. Yeah, that's a good point. So um so I I'm with you. I, I, I do like it when someone announced comes out and you know, like they do on NXT with, with war games where you've got an authority figure, it comes out and just kind of yells that that this can't be settled in an ordinary match. This needs to be hell in a cell. Yeah, like, you know, Hell in a Cell is coming up, so they're just going to announce who's going to be in it. It it takes away some of the uh, anticipation. Exactly, because, yeah, we knew, all right, it's on the cards. Hell in a Cell is coming in October, and, you know, it's like, okay, so what? which rivalries did they currently have going on is going to eventually end up there. So it becomes a little predictable in that sense. I still, I mean, Hell in a Cell is becoming like their Halloween 
type of pay-per-view, you know, scary, you know, uh, demons, devils, and, you know, fire <laughs> type of thing. But I, I kind of wish WWE would just use Halloween Havoc as a pay-per-view and maybe have Hell in a Cell match on Halloween Havoc. I think that would be kind of cool fusion. But we're going to get that with NXT. <laughs> so, um, listen, I know we're running long here. Um, so I think let's let's go ahead and wrap it up for tonight. Um, I know there's a lot to talk about with NXT going on a big, big reveal this week on NXT, some fun stuff on NXT UK. Um, Richard, if it's cool, I think we'll probably, maybe we could touch on all that stuff next episode. Is that good for you? Let's, let's just cover the Pat McAfee bit. Okay, cool. All right. If you got the time for it, I'm totally down. Yeah. For that. Okay. So NXT this week, a lot of good stuff happened there. Uh, it's definitely the buildup for Halloween Havoc, which is coming up uh, this coming third, uh, excuse me, this coming Wednesday. Uh, a lot of fun. I can't wait for Halloween Havoc. So the big thing was, so we saw Undisputed Era. They were going to take on uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango for the NXT Tag Championships in the main event. But we saw uh, Bobby Fish get taken out. And then later on in the night, we saw Roderick Strong get taken out. Um, when Bobby Fish got taken out, uh, Regal asked uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly to take his spot. He's like, yeah, I- I'm clear. I'll do it. So we're going to get Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong versus the tag champs. But all of a sudden, we see Roderick Strong get taken out. And Kyle O'Reilly's like, well, I can't do this by myself. And, you know, uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch were there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, we'll take one of us. He's like, I can't do. Uh, no, nah, I can't. And he walked off. And then William Regal just told Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, "You guys take on Fandango in uh, in Tyler Breeze in the main event." So we got the tag match, and um, uh, we see a, a, a hooded person with a mask, silver mask, come out and push off uh, Fandango off uh, the top of the rope. And uh, uh, Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan were able to defeat. Breeze Angle and become new NXT tag team champions. And this masked person comes into the ring, takes off the hood, takes off the mask and reveals it's Pat McAfee. <laughs> so, wow. Which makes sense as to why Rich Holland took out Adam Cole. Exactly. So and Rich Holland said that he had the money to get that car. Exactly. And Pat yeah. McAfee a couple months ago said he, he's, he's like a millionaire. He makes a lot of money, has a lot of jobs. And so that makes sense, yeah, to pay easily afford buy a car for Rich Holland to do his dirty work, take out Adam Cole, and plus Rich Holland looks like uh, he could be Pat McAfee's older, bigger brother. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so Richard just, uh, I mean, I was thoroughly shocked. Like, I think a lot of people just thought Pat McAfee was one and done, had his one match to take over against Adam Cole. Boom, he's back to doing his normal thing, his radio show, maybe occasionally make an appearance on NXT kickoff show. But, okay, this uh, this program is far from over. Pat McAfee is very much still in the mix with NXT and still got uh, uh, some beef with Undisputed Era. So what do you think about all that? I, I think it's great because, uh, you know, we've been asking the last couple of weeks, are they going to split up the Undisputed Era? What's going to happen here? You, you, it's now revealed who's been taking them out, and you also finally crown Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan because they've been a tag team there for four years, yeah, solid, and they've always been a good tag team. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, I think Brzezanko is pretty established as to who they are, yeah. Um, so it's great because Pat McAfee is a damn good heel, yeah. I agree. It's uh, it's great because now, for one, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, they do 
have some beef cool. with Undisputed Era. So I wonder if they're going to represent kind of the new hired guns for Pat McAfee. Uh, well, and and, and if, if somehow we get a, oh shit, we probably will get a, a, a war games. <laughs> oh. that's the next, that's the next takeover. Um, okay. Then we would get Pat McAfee, Birch and Lorkin with one other guy. Who could that be? Uh, against the Undisputed Era. And the Undisputed Era would be going into that match as a baby face for once. Okay. That's the... Now that'll Ooh. work. I mean, I'm sure the plan was maybe Ridge Holland to be that fourth person. Unfortunately, now he's hurt. Well, who uh, do you think is going to be the person now? Hmm. Okay, so Pat McAfee has the money to probably buy a fourth person. You know uh, who I pick? Who? Champa. Champa? I don't think he... Um, He's kind of he's kind of floating around. He doesn't have anything going on. I mean, he he kind of got involved yeah. with Kushida and Velveteen Dream. Um, Richard, did you have someone in mind that you were thinking? No, no, okay. that's what I was asking. Like, okay, I, I, uh, uh, we can put it out to the clicksters. Please let us know if you have any ideas of who could be the fourth person for Team Pat McAfee for War Games. But uh, that's I was shocked. I mean, for one, I mean, all seriousness. Very happy for Birch and Lorkin become tag champions. They, and Birch won with a low blow. Yeah, so he got yeah. a little dirty. So I guess, are they heels now? Because, you know, he used a low blow to uh, get the victory. And then um, he used it on Tyler Breeze. And then, uh, uh, but I mean, they've had uh, history with Undisputed Era. I mean, they had a great takeover yeah. match a couple years ago. So it, it kind of makes sense that, you know, they align themselves with someone else who does not like Undisputed Era. So I'm I'm excited for all this. It's great. It's a little bit of shocker because Birch and Lorkin, you know, been baby faces, but they are turning now. And but it makes sense. Like you connect the dots. It's like Pat McAfee is, is a millionaire who can afford to pay off these guys to work for him and taking out Undisputed Era. So do you think Pat McAfee was the one taking out Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong oh, yes. earlier in the night? Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So yeah, it it's it's very interesting. I, I'm I'm excited and it's like it's almost like it was like the last person you could think of and now like you know at the end of a like a, a mystery, you know, you connect all dots like, oh my god, that totally makes sense. It, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And because he's not regular, it it doesn't like come across that way. Like it it just I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, wouldn't yeah. have guessed it. Like we were we're trying to figure it out last week or the week after the takeover event and it was just like oh my god <laughs> total sense there so total sense uh i'm uh, i'm excited i think pat mcafee you know he he might not be like the biggest name outside of pro wrestling as far as celebrity goes involvement with wwe but he does have his connections with them over the last couple of years working with nxt he does have his own radio show and you know former nfl player so and he did, I think, uh, blew a lot of people's minds away as far as how good he was in the ring a couple months ago, taking on Adam Cole at that takeover. So um, I think a lot of people are going to be excited to see what else he can do kind of as a sequel to his uh, previous match and what's next for him. So I- I'm sure NXT, there's going to be some fun stuff with him. So looking forward to all that. So, uh, but yeah, I was definitely surprised. Like, wow, it's the last person I would think Pat McAfee, but 
It's all good. So, uh, yeah, another fun week of pro wrestling, the books, uh, if you haven't ch- had a chance, uh, go check out NXT UK, a lot of fun stuff there. We'll, we'll probably touch on that more next week, but of course seeing Walter do his thing and, uh, looking forward to that match next week, defending his title. Uh, so a lot of good stuff with WWE this week, I thought. So it's all fun. So on that note, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Richard, where can all the clicks just find you online? You can find me at pro wrestling. What on Instagram. And Tommy, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at IronFist1982. Um, Baby Huey, follow me on Facebook at Baby Huey Official, Twitter and Instagram at Baby Huey83 at In the Click on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> and uh, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, In the Click at gmail.com. So thank you for, once again for all the support. Please rate, comment, and share the podcast. And on that note, let's go home. And that's the bottom line because Huey said so. <laughs>